Jowson, sweetie, please drop that beat to start the show. The Romantic Truth Podcast extends a loving and warm welcome to listeners in celebration of our sixth year of the show. We wish you a promising 2024. Please be advised that due to the language, subject matter, and topics of the show, adults 18 years of age and older are highly recommended for this content. Uninterrupted and commercial-free listening. Now, since all of that is over, I would like to take this opportunity and introduce you to the host of Romantic Truth, Jaosan in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, I hope everybody's doing well. The stench of love, the stench of love is in your nose, it's something that no one can expose, the stench of love. It burns your eyes sometimes and makes you want to cry. Sometimes the older can make you wish that you died. Oh, that funk hits you and you don't know what to do. It captivates you. Well, folks, what we're going to talk about today is something that people are very hypervigilant about. Body odor. For the first time, meeting your partner, being with your partner. Now, here is the thing. All of us, in some capacity, don't like certain smells. Let's face it. There are other smells that really appeal to us. You know, you go to a friend's house as a male, and he and his woman just finished having sex, and the pheromones are still in the air. And you sniff, and you say, love is in the air, fucking is in the air. And it happens. And you look at his wife, and you're trying not to look at her, because now you know how she smells intimately. That's the reason I tell you guys, and I'll probably reiterate it again later on in the show. Always have some breeze around. Always air your place out. Before you invite other men to your house after you've had sex with your woman. Because those pheromones are still in the air. Just want to make it clear. Now, a couple of things that you have to realize. Some people are not going to change their behavior because they're in a relationship. And there are others that will revert back to their old behavior prior to the relationship begin. You know, ladies, you've dated some of these guys. Oh, they shower every day while they're dating you when, you, when they first meet you. As soon as you guys start cohabitating, what's the first thing to go? Now he's showering twice a week, maybe once a week. Our fellas, women will do this too. You know, they talk about never go to bed hungry. Sometimes you never go to bed funky. Now, some people do. Some people actually normalize the stench. 
You know you've gone to people's homes and you get a whiff of that and you say, ah, the fuck is that? It smells like fast. Feet and ass. Smells like Fritos on one side and butt on the other. Or you may walk in and sniff and say, mmm, chussy. Combination of chitlins and pussy. It happens. And some people are cool with that because they're used to the odor and therefore they think nothing of it. Daryl, I got your email. And Daryl is out of Burlington, Vermont. He writes the following. I started dating this lady recently. We hit it off very well. She likes dogs. I'm not really a fan of animals, but I've kind of compromised on that with her. The first thing I noticed, the very first time I went over to her house, was a pungent odor of urine. I've talked to her about this several times. She's upset now because I always want her to come over to my place. I cannot stand to be in her place for more than three seconds. The odor is very strong and apparently she's used to it. She told me she has tried all of these odor suppressants. She's tried bleach, she's tried cleaning, and she's really running into a brick wall with this. Well, what jeopardized our relationship recently, I made the suggestion that maybe she should look at getting rid of the dogs. Well, that was a non-starter. And I don't know what the status of our relationship is since then because she refused to talk to me. Anyway, I could roll this back in order to have a decent conversation once again with her. Outside of this, everything else is wonderful between us. Daryl. Burlington, Vermont. Daryl, I hate to tell you this. Those dogs are more important than you. The reason why she's single, the reason why she was single, the reason why she's this great catch, is because of this. Other men have walked away from her because of the same thing. Trying to correct it, it's not going to do any good. You could try. Those dogs will outlive any relationship she has. And until they pass away, you will always be second banana, even if you got into the relationship with her. See, here's the problem dating someone that has advanced anthropomorphism from my perspective only. They're going to put more energy into that animal than they would ever put into a human being. The reason being the animal is obedient, animals don't talk back, and they dictate what the animal eats, does, behaves, everything. They can't do that with a person. You find people who at one point have not had any kind of control in their lives, they can control this animal. And then Guess what they're going to do? They're going to defend that control just like an alpha male would defend his betas. They're not going to let that fan base of theirs go. And this is something you got to realize. Ladies, this is the reason why we, we see you all into pets and shit. We step to the left. We don't even deal with you. Men won't tell you that. They'll see if they can screw you because they know damn well they're not going to be with you because you're way too much into those animals. And they're not going to fuck around and waste their time. 
thought I'd tell you this because most men won't but they're still trying to sleep with you. Now, here's the thing you got to realize through there. She's offended by this, but she's heard this before. That's the reason why she created that distance between you. If it was a thing where she said, oh, you know, well, maybe you can help me with this. Maybe we can work together on it. She didn't make it a mutual project, did she? She just totally cut you off. So that tells you right there, even if you got into a relationship with her, guess what you're going to be still dealing with? You're going to be dealing with non-compromisable boundaries that she's going to set up all along the way. You're starting out on the wrong foot with her. I know you like her a lot, but I'm going to be honest with you. She's not the one. She's the kind of woman that you got to wait until after those pets die before you have a shot. I'm just telling you. I know it sounds cruel and, you know, you're going to have the animal activist right now. Oh, no, my dog and my... Bullshit. Let me give you an example. I dated a lady one time. And during the time I had computer repair business, an IT business where I would go install all kind of cabling, I would put in router switches, all this shit, right? And she had a friend, and her friend made these motion picture um, billboards. She had this huge computer that she had, it was old and outdated, and she wanted me to rebuild her, build her another one. So I did, and it was very expensive. It was like almost 10 grand because of all the shit she wanted. And during that time, that was a lot of money because you had a lot of uh, stuff you had to buy. So I went on, put it together for her, had a server built and everything. And she made some beautiful artwork for these billboards you'd see in town for motion pictures and stuff because she had contracts to do it. This woman inside of her house, beautiful house in Orange County, overlooking the beach, everything in her house was pink. The carpet, the comforter, the drapes, everything throughout, from the living room all the way through the bedrooms, bathroom, you name it. All the same color paint. Her dogs. She had two. And I saw something shiny inside the dog's mouth. And I'm thinking, oh no, she probably got a hold of a metal object or something. She said, no. When I took him to France, I had this doctor to install these braces to straighten out his teeth. Oh, that's unique. I'd never seen that shit before. Annually, this woman spent over $60,000 on those two dogs. They had the best cuisine. She had a chef that would come in and make their food. Dog houses inside the house. Air conditioning. Had everything you can imagine a dog would want inside of it. And some of the things you wouldn't imagine and this lady that I dated who introduced me to her she had a couple of dogs but they were border collies they were nice but it was never 
a situation when she overdid it. And she prepped me. She says, uh, I'm going to introduce you to her. And I don't know if you can drum up some computer business with her or what, but, you know, she's my friend. And brace yourself. I should have known when I saw the pink Ferrari out front. She had a 308 GTB coupe. I stepped into that house and saw that tank. Shit. Almost fainted. Everything. But that was her. And she was an older lady, about 50 or so. And one of my best clients for years. And then later on she passed away. But the interesting thing was. She had taken all the energy put into those pets. Never married. Didn't have any kids. And she left her estate to charity and to those dogs. You will find people like that. And that they're in their own bubble, in their own world. Now, this is not a criticism of those people. This is the best way they can cope with life. We have to understand that. And one thing I'll give her credit for, the people that took care of those dogs did an excellent job because there was no odor in that place. But there have been people like the guy from Michigan that was going out with the lady in Ohio. And he had traveled all those miles to go see her. And he gets there. They have been chatting online for almost several months. And he gets there, and the first thing that happens when he walks through the front door, he steps in dog shit in her living room. And he smells the urine, and he just can't deal with it. People, you've written in about this particular problem. Now, there was one email that I received, and I refused to read it because I want verification on it first because I thought the guy was bullshit. And supposedly the lady had a monkey under some license in her house. And she'd have to buy new shit all the time because the monkey would break it. Problem was, I could never get in touch with the guy that sent the email. And so I didn't read it. But what I try to do is to get in touch with you you send me something to verify that, hey, it's not spam, dude, and bullshit. There's some that I can verify. They go into the archives. They'll never be read, just like that one was. Now, here's the thing. These can be problematic. And if you're out there and wondering why you're winding up with these people and they're leaving. These are things you have to look at. Now, understand one thing. If you specify that your lifestyle is non-negotiable, the way you live is non-negotiable, you're not going to modify things, okay, that's all well and good, but don't bitch about you not being able to find people because they come to your place and they like and they say, oh, this shit is trash, and they move on. And then you'll find those people that are worse off than yourself and they're trying to tell you what you need to do in order to clean your act up. Oh, I've seen that. 
I never forget, a lady came out to my place, Santa Monica. She says, um, you know, we need to rearrange some things because what you need is, you need a low back sofa so that you won't interrupt the view to the ocean. I said, oh, really? She said, yeah. She says, um, we should go to the furniture stores and start looking. Well, we went past this one place, right down Wilshire. And they had the low back sofa with the low back chairs. The price of that shit for the uh, living room set was $12,500. And she's like, oh, we ought to get this. And she's sitting in it and everything. I said, uh-uh. You're no fun. If you want me to be with you, you know, you should listen to me. That was first red flag. Ding! And so she had the nerve to say, well, let's go by my place and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Well, she had something similar, but it was of a cheaper quality, low back, living room set. That place looked as if somebody had put a bomb in it and walked out. Drapes had been tattered, didn't have been changed. It was horrible. Carpet had a hole in it. Cigarette burns on the sofa. I didn't say anything because I don't criticize people's homes when they when I get there. I mean I don't verbally. What she did with me, I wouldn't have done with her. And I oof and the odor, the trash. I mean, she had these bags of trash in the kitchen, just stacked up with rotted fruit and food. And she said, yeah, you know, I need to get this stuff down to the garbage. And so I went on and took about eight bags of trash downstairs. And it was ironic. There was a guy that was at the mailbox because the dumpster is not too far away from it. And he looked up at the apartment and looked at me and shook his head, smiling. And I said, what's that supposed to mean? He said, you'll learn your lesson. What I didn't know was this guy had dated her at one point. She saw him at the mailbox. And then when I came back up after dumping the trash, she says, she's such a jerk. I don't like him, you know, etc." And she's going on and on and on about how he's one of these insecure macho men and she's going to tell me all this shit. I didn't say a word. And, but I took what he had kind of given me the heads up on as watch yourself. When she opened that refrigerator. She was throwing shit out, and it was like celery, broccoli, stuff that had molded because it had been in there so long. Stuff had wilted. And I was like, she said, yeah, I go to the grocery store, and I buy groceries, but you know, it's kind of stupid because I never, I never cook the stuff because I always go out to eat. And so she's like, well, come on, let me show you the apartment. 
Oh my goodness, that bedroom, she had just one path to the closet, to the bathroom, and the same path was to the bed. Everything up close stacked on the floor all the way up, still on hangers, all the way up, damn it to the ceiling. And I just couldn't do it, I just couldn't do it. Will you see her professionally? You see her out from her environment? You never think it. You would never think it. Not in a million years. I just couldn't do it. And she's like, well, I know you think I'm a hoarder. And you think, I'm saying to myself, if your apartment's like this, your pussy's even worse. Didn't bother sleeping with her. We called it even. Now that didn't mean she was a bad person. It meant that she wasn't the person for me. But see, I don't go and just zero out a person because we're not compatible or because the relationship didn't evolve. But I know for me, she wasn't my type. And you'll run into it. And fellas, let me tell you another tactic that some women will use. No matter how clean your home is, no matter how clean your place is, the way they try to find justification to move in and to actually start leaving things at your place is to tell you how horrific your place is. This is something that men does not, they don't do to women. We just accept whatever they give us. With them, they will say, oh, you know, you're leaving your shoes under the bed. Why don't you put your shoes in the closet, etc., etc." What she's doing as she's straightening shit up for you, supposedly, she's making space for her shit. And so what happens the next time she comes over, she may come over with a overnight bag at first to mark territory. She'll bring a toothbrush that she just bought, toothpaste, that kind of thing. You're saying, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, it'd be convenient for you. When she starts rearranging the drawers in your place with the, with the clothing, uh, you may come in one day and she may have already designated a drawer for her and you see nothing but pennies and bras in it. Then you go into the closet, you see your clothes on one side, hers on the other. You start seeing shoe boxes in there of hers. You start seeing purses. And what she's doing is marking territory, but she's coming in under the auspices of helping you clean up your place. It's not even about that. It's about her moving in marking territory because she doesn't want another woman in there. This has been tried on me many times and you know what I do? Move this shit over. I usually would send it back home with her. Then they'll start spending more time at your place than they're spending at theirs. See, the whole logic behind that is to say, well, you know, we're wasting money because um, I have to pay rent at my place. It may be cheaper when this lease is up for me not to renew and just to come on in. Since we're so good together, that's the shit they'll try to run on you. Now, here's the other thing they're going to do. Oh, they're going to cook clean and all that shit initially? Trust me, that's not 
long-term thing for many of them. They're doing that shit to impress you, to make sure, hey, it's a good idea for me to be with you. After they have finally gotten in, fuck that shit, they go back to their old habits. Please keep that in mind. Especially these women that have been in many long-term relationships where it's rolled over to the next one, rolled over to the next one. These are things you gotta look at, guys. Now, the funny and ironic thing is with these types of women, they don't wanna get pregnant. That's the last thing they want. Now, there's some that will, but those are usually nesters. Those are the women that are looking to start a family. What these women are looking for is the stability Supposed to know right, they having a boyfriend or being with someone, but it's more or less a temporary thing on their basis. So as soon as they can find another situation to cling on to, they're moving on to that person. And you're sitting there thinking that's gonna be a permanent thing. But in actuality, she may not have a place to stay. She may be behind on her rent. And that's the reason why she's doing this. So be careful of that, fellas. You're not winning the lottery because she's so enthusiastic to move in. And here's the thing. They're going to start with this sort of uh, disposition very early in the relationship. They're going to bring that crisis to you. And the reason why they're doing this is because by justifying it up front, there's a good possibility they have a little bit more longevity with it. And they're going to use that to their advantage. other things that you're going to have to understand too. Things that you would normally do when you're by yourself that's acceptable, she may find abhorrent. Clipping your toenails. Oh, I don't want to see you clip your toenails. Would you please do that in the bathroom? Especially when it's fucked up, they tell you to do that shit in your own place. Keep in mind. She's testing to see how far she can go with telling you what to do in your own environment. There are some people that are totally intolerant when it comes down to things that they don't like. But yet, they want you to like everything that they bring and not criticize it. If you criticize it or if you say, hey, you know what, we need to make a compromise on this, Oh, you're being mean to me. You're discriminating against me. You're treating me less than. Be careful, fellas. That is a victim's mindset. Those are the type of women that will wind up trying to get you for palimony if you live together. Those are the women that will go and find an attorney for any little litigious thing because their feelings are right under their skin. I would never date a woman that has sued a lot of people. If she comes to me bragging about like one woman I dated, she bragged about how many companies she sued. And, oh, I sued every employer I can. When I heard that shit, <laughs> she thought it was impressive. She let me know she was a liability. I sue so-and-so for sexual harassment. I sue so-and-so for this. I sue so-and-so for discrimination here. 
I'm not fucking with you. Mm -mm. If I can get through this date without being sued from you, I'm happy. That's what I did. Why haven't you called me? I don't think we belong together. Why not? Is it something I said, something I did? You sue too many people. Oh, you're one of those weak men. Don't believe in standing up for yourself. No, I'm one of those men that just sat there and listened to you for an hour and a half talk about how many people you sue and never answered not one question of mine. Never asked me about anything. The only thing we talked about were your lawsuits. talk about. Another thing, fellas, you will face, especially in California. When I, look, when I first started dating in Cali, let me tell you what I ran into a lot of. Almost every woman I ran into had some sort of disability case pending. And many of these motherfuckers could actually work with no problem. And I had to learn get around them. Because many of them weren't legitimate. Hell, there was one lady I went out with. She had filed a claim with UPS and was working for FedEx at night. So they caught up with her. A lot of people were doing that shit. And then when you see somebody who really is injured on the job, and has to go through all of the bullshit and go through the system the legitimate way. It incenses you when somebody's using the system for their own benefit just because they're tired of working. And you know, you hear people all the time talk about, oh yeah, well they got it easy. No, they fucking don't. I worked on a workers' comp case for seven years with my mom. The people we met along the way that were injured like she was on the job, there was no glory in it. There was no status in it. The insurance companies don't pay. got that gap before any money starts kicking in. So, children have to make up the difference. And then anything that comes in that the insurance doesn't pay, you gotta pay the residual. Because see, people think, oh, you get these large settlements and all that shit. In many states like California, you're limited. Oh, you may get a $30, $40 million settlement. But guess what? The laws are there to protect the, comp the company and the insurance company. They have a cap that they're going to pay for workers' comp. And they may give you all this money. It may sound like a big dollar amount. And then, of course, if you decide to take a lump sum, or it's going to be lessened immediately. And then, guess what else is going to happen? You're going to be stuck with anything associated with whatever happened to that person 
after you settle. Meaning that if they have to go back for hospitalization, medication, all that, they've already paid in what they're going to pay and they're done, they're walking away. It's on you after that. And that little lump sum you get, whatever it is, it could be a million dollars, two, three million dollars. If that medication and regular retail costs is expensive, you're fucked. That money's going to go quickly. And what a lot of people would do, they would get their claim, then they have to move to a, a state with a cheaper cost of living. And guess what? They wouldn't have the resources they had in order to sustain a person's condition in many of those communities. I've seen it happen. There's one lady moved back to Arkansas with her family after they had settled with her case. And she still had to come back to California for certain procedures. Because they didn't have any qualified doctors down there. Eating up that money. So, it's not a skate fest like people would think. See, when a person's working, they always think that people who are not working but getting money are getting over. You would not want to have the lives of these people. Like when I would hear people when I was homeless for those two years, working a regular job, paying taxes, paying the taxes that some of those people were actually using that were out there homeless. At first, I had the attitude of we're paying for these damn people until I was out there and understanding because I was out there with them and seeing how these people, some of them had worked for decades and they were getting SSI and seeing how they were barely making it. One lady told me, she said, I'm going to just save my checks until I can afford to get an apartment and I'll still have enough in the bank where I can try to sustain myself. Now, try making in Los Angeles up for $1,500 a month. Where can you stay for $1,500 a month in Los Angeles? I'm talking about your whole money. I'm not talking about money where you'll be able to get anything else. You don't think about that shit. But if you can only make a certain amount of money and that's it. See, the flexibility you have while you're in the workforce is you can work overtime. You can get a new job. You get a job that pays more. You could go and get commissions if you're a commission job. There are a lot of things. You get bonuses, all this shit. Try being on a steady diet of $1,500 a month and that's all you get. That's the reason why I tell you, when you talk to these senators and everything, they're talking about people on Social Security and how they should cut and all of this. That's because those senators are making 98000 to 100 plus a year. So they're out of touch. Half of them can't tell you how much a loaf of bread costs because they never had to buy bread. They had somebody else to buy it for them. A housekeeper or somebody like that. So how the fuck would they know? And you let these people make decisions for you 
that can't relate to you when you send them to Washington. Never understood that concept. Just because they wear a nice suit, just because they look young. Fuck that. We get so hung up on optics and being entertained politically that we let any son of a bitch comes into office and do what they want to do. And they go in and they come out richer than they were. And it cracks me up. Being that education is not stressed in our country, you're going to always have charlatans to come into office and use people. It's just the way it is. Now, let's think about a few things here. The reason why many people, especially on the right, care not to have free education, free health care in this country, is because their constituents would be the one to suffer. They come out with a new medication, and then they want, what, $1,000 a month, $3,000 a month for it? Well, we know the average person can't afford that. And so it comes into sync with the insurance companies and these middlemen that will tell the insurance company what they're going to pay and what they're not going to pay. You don't have that problem with the national health care system. All that shit's erased. You can go to the hospital at any time. You can go to the doctor at any time and not get this huge-ass bill. Here, it's all about profit. And see, that's the problem with capitalism. Everything, every aspect of the society is exploited for monetary gain. That's the downside. Even when somebody is indicted on charges, they get in front of the camera and say that they're a martyr, and the fundraising totals go up. Because the people that really don't have that much to give will give all they can to that wealthy man because that wealthy man is supposed to make them better. Make them feel better in life. It's like putting money into with that pastor, that charismatic pastor. Meanwhile, with his private jets, his, his palatial home, his fleet of Rolls Royces, you're feeling blessed. And that very pastor says he doesn't have time to come pray with you. Just like that very politician doesn't have time to come and sit down and have a beer with you. Nope. What they'll do is give you a whole bunch of speeches from the podium and from television. And that's enough for you. And you're clapping your hands and singing that person's praises. The same concept, folks. Same old shit, just warmed over differently. And that's been the setback with capitalism. The reason why a lot of people have never been able to make it is because they give their wealth, undeservingly, to hope and pray. I 
just hand my money over to this person and they're going to work magic for me and make me wealthy. They're going to give me praise while I'll be blessed. All of this shit. Why do you think scam artists are so successful in America? It doesn't take much for these people to part with their money. Because we're conditioned that way. When you're 18 to 35 years of age, marketing companies come after you with a vengeance. Because they look at it, you're an adult, you get your ass involved in contracts and obligations, and they got your credit card companies love you. A lot of these proprietary schools love you. Car dealerships really love you. Mortgage companies love you. Because what they're going on, the premise is psychologically, you're trying to prove yourself as an adult. You're trying to establish yourself. Meanwhile, I can sell you a $1,500 iPhone. I can sell you concert tickets at $33,000 a pop. I mean, $3,300 a pop. I can sell you Super Bowl tickets for God knows how much. And you'll be willing to pay for it. And yet, you can have a person that needs to buy beer for a football game just on a roost, just on a joke. And he's able to raise over a million dollars on GoFundMe. But a man that needs to have his teeth fixed or he needs to have a car, they don't see that as a priority. That's what you contend with, folks. That's what you deal with. And that's a part of us. That's a part of our society. We deprioritize things that should be prioritized and do the opposite. The only thing a kid has to do is say, well, you know, I want to go around the world. They'll get a GoFundMe? Shit. Everything's paid for because they're a kid and because they have this idea. And here's the thing. They look at, I'll invest in the future before I invest in the existing. An impoverished family, oh, churches and social organizations take care of them. I see that's the misconcept in America. We have this misconception that these churches are going out and doing all these things well. If you're a person that you're going to a church where the median income is over $100,000 a year, naturally you're going to have a nice little safety net set up in your church and congregation. Many of these folks, many of these churches, they don't spend that kind of money on congregants and people that are that are indigent. Indigent. Damn. They don't spend that kind of money on it. Oh yes, you can come to our recreation center as long as you're a member and a contributing member to the church. It's like you gotta have a membership, a VIP membership in order to have the church even extend its arm out into the community. That's the thing. Membership has its privileges. There was one popular church that my wife and I 
ex-wife and I went to in Los Angeles. And we sat down on the first level, maybe about 10 seats back from the front pews, out of respect for all the elders and everything in the church. Usher came over and says, um, sorry, this area is not for regular patrons. You have to go upstairs in the balcony. Wow. And then when church services started, those seats we were in were empty. Those were VIP seats. Went to another church in Los Angeles because my ex-wife was trying to find a church home. And she had three children. And they took the kids and put them in the area for the children to have the church. And being that this church televised their services, they wanted us to sit near the front because we looked like the ideal African-American couple. Oh, and there were other people they asked to move because they didn't project that image. The shit was staged. And being I worked in media, I knew about shit like that. It was all about the optics. One reason why I stuck with radio over the years was because of the fact that, to me, television was so fake. So superficial. You couldn't be yourself. I watched a podcast the other night. And the only thing I saw was a whole bunch of graphics and this person's swirling around this chair like it was a newscast. And literally, I could not get into anything this person was saying because I was distracted by what they were doing and distracted by the graphics. So when she delivered the story, it was irrelevant. one of the reasons why I decided I'm not going to focus on the video or the audio yes for those of you who are still frustrated about YouTube I'm not a YouTube fan I'll put it that way it's okay but I'm not a fan of it and I put up a few and a few videos and a couple of them I think and then uh, I got this backlash from uh, one of the companies where they promote you and everything. They're like, oh, you're missing out on all this YouTube money and all this. The way YouTube works is like this. At least from what I understand. What they told me. Thousand views, you get 12 bucks. For every thousand. Now, the odds are much better than it is for streaming. I think streaming, you get anywhere from four to eight cents per stream. Somewhere around there. Some people may get a little bit more. It depends on the contracts you sign. If you're going through an aggregator, 
four to eight cents. If it was so lucrative, why are all these groups now trying to go on tour? Because they're not making any money off of streaming money. They complain about it all the time. The money to have been made in the, in the music industry was back in the day with the sale of units and contracts. Those days are over. Plus, record labels are finding it harder to exist now because you don't need them anymore outside of, you got the distribution, the Spotify, Apple, and all the rest. So what are the labels doing? Putting you in debt. Oh, they give you a million dollars, two million dollars. Okay, go out there and make some albums. Oh, why you added, uh, that covers your studio time that we, we lent you that money. That covers everything. We want to see a finished product. And these people go out and do it. And many of them have to sign a 360 deal. Where 15% of their book rights, they wrote a book, went to them, went to the record label. If they were in a movie, 20% of that, the royalties go to them. If they go on television, they have a percentage there that they are to receive plus you got to pay back the loan if you go on tour and you borrow money for that you have to go and pay a certain percentage back for that so they got you by the nuts or by the breast no matter which way you go but for some of you transgender people they got you by both just joking I know it's bad you can shoot me later but that's what happens. That's what happens. So it's not all hype and glam. Some of the celebrities that given interviews, some went, um, damn, I can't even think of her name. Um, Monique and Precious, $50,000 for that movie. Terrence Howard, Hustle and Flow, six grand. Terrence Howard, Crash, $12,000 for being in that movie. And these people on the rear carpet promoting those films. From what I understood, Taraji. And the rest of the crew was complaining about when they were doing the color purple, how they had to rent cars. They had no security. They had rental cars, I mean. They had no security. So, in a rental car, anybody can access you. Somebody complained about, these are her words, when she was doing Empire, about finding a trailer that wasn't infected with bugs, infested with bugs. Sometimes you think you have these things, or you see these people with these things, I should say, and you think that, oh, they're living a life. A lot of them aren't. I've seen people go over to SAG in that ATM machine, 
on Wilshire and take out $20 to go over to Cuckoo's to eat or the calendars. Not everybody's got it like that. But we don't think about that. The dresses you see them wearing on the red carpet, a lot of them are on consignment. They have to be sent back after the events of with. Those diamonds and everything they're wearing, they have to be taken back to the jeweler. And the designer can take that same dress, later on put it up for auction because the celebrity wore it, get a shitload of money for it. There was a dress that a woman wore in a movie, and Kobe Bryant went on and purchased that dress for a pretty good amount of money for Vanessa. If you can afford it, that's fine. But what if you can't? So you see people like Samuel L. Jackson working their asses off. Vivica A. Fox working her ass off. You wonder why these people are working so hard. They're working so hard because it's hard to make it. Not all peaches and cream. There are people that are so out of touch you wouldn't believe. We're going to continue in just a moment. When I announced to my students I was pregnant with my first child, one of my students came up to me to give me a high five and I was like, oh, congratulatory, and I went to, to high five. And as as I was mid, mid extension, if you will, uh, he said, pull out game weak. The silence after the, the slap was loud. I was telling some of my students that I was super stressed and I was trying to deal with it in healthy ways and one of my students came up to me after class and said, listen, I don't sell drugs, but if you need some. I, I did not accept, but the gesture was thoughtful. I once had a group of students ask me what my number was, um, but they reassured me that um, if I wanted to share, they wouldn't judge me for my thoughty behavior because we all make mistakes, which is appreciated, but still no. You know, if you really think about it, why are we so disgusted in some of the things we do? We're disgusted when we eat because we make a noise. We're disgusted when we fuck because we make a noise. We're disgusted when we use the bathroom because we make a noise. You ever notice that? It's not even being seen, it's being heard. We're embarrassed. When we fart, we burp. As if we're not supposed to be human, we're supposed to be perfect and those things are not supposed to take place. 
I want you to think about the first time when you guys were married or when you were dating and your partner used the bathroom and you can still smell that odor past the damn air freshener. You're like, whoa. It hits you for the first time. It's like, wow. That was horrible. But you don't say that to your partner, of course. You let it slide. But fellas, there'll be that time when your woman is there in the bed and she opens her legs up and that trumpet between her legs started blowing to start playing and you're like whoa and it happens after sex many times over Especially if she hadn't drained herself and you've gone in and she's cuddling with you and you guys fall asleep and you wake up and she's ready for more. And then she gets mad at you if you don't go down there and he's like, no, uh-uh, you got to drain and wash. Mm-mm. And fellas, you got to look at what you eat. Ladies, same thing. Sometimes y'all slurp on that fudge sickle. You better check it first. I remember a friend of mine years ago told me, he said, man, he said, I was ready to go and sleep with this chick one time. And he says, I was over at her house. She was in the bedroom. She had gone into the shower, got out of the shower, and she was sitting there on her little stand by the vanity, and she had these tweezers. And he said she noticed she was going down, lifting up her abdomen, and she'd pull these little things out and then put them on top of the damn counter. And he said, when I saw them crawling, he said, oh, hell no. I teased him. I knew good and well. I said, those were crap soldiers. Oh, ew. Oh. Put them under a microscope and see them just marching in line. They all had uniforms on. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 all fucked up. They're up there giving cadence. Love, right, love, right, love, right, love. Dratoon, hope. Was fucked up. Had me cracking up when he was telling me that story. I said, you gotta be careful. Look before you lick. That should be a policy. Because you never know what you may see. I never forget the first time me and Monica were together. I had never seen a pinkish purple vagina before in my life. I thought something was wrong. 
until I educated myself on it and found out that some women born in Europe and the Middle East, they have discolorations on their vagina at birth. Where their pussy may be purple. In certain parts of Africa, same thing. It's not an anomaly. It's actually rather normal. But we're used to seeing pink. The reason why Prince was singing, Purple rain, purple rain. Could you imagine him saying, Purple pussy, purple... No, that, that would have been too... No. It'd been kind of messed up if Pink would have named herself Purple if she was Purple down there. But I rest my case. The whole thing I'm saying, folks, in general is this. We have to understand that men and women, we need each other in ways. Besides sexual, emotional, that kind of thing. To create families, of course. Now you have some pe- people out there, excuse me, some people out there that I don't need anyone. I love being single. Folks, and I said this before, have you ever noticed some of the most emotionally fucked up people and ugliest people said they enjoyed the a single life? Trust me, I was one of them for 30 plus years. But see, these people that I'm talking about that are single, they don't have any relationships. They're in their own world. So I couldn't do that shit being out in the single scene. There were too many women to enjoy. Now, Mary asked the following question, and Mary is out of Clearwater, Florida. I want to know one thing about men. Do men do the same things women do when it comes down to having memorable emotional events with their partner? In particular, is it where a man cannot remember what the experience was like with a woman? I've only been with seven men in my life. And I remember each of those seven events. Just wondering. Love your show. Mary, Clearwater, Florida. Mary. Here's the way we do it as men. I can't speak for all men, but I can speak for myself. Significant events, we remember. Mediocre events, we try to forget. Now, what are some of the complications? And some of you guys have faced this shit and you might want to tell women about it. Yeah. Some of you guys, your dick was too big for the woman. And it just didn't work. It's not to pat you on the shoulder or anything like that. But she kept complaining. And you just say, you know what? Let's just not fuck. Let's just not... No, 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 let's just not do it. 
There are other women that you can't get into, fellas. Literally, you got her there. You guys are ready. And this is what's crazy. She might say something fucked up. After we finish fucking, we going to Olive Garden? Huh? Just ate. Friend of mine told me one time it was with a lady, and she said, "All right, we got thirty minutes. We need to hurry up because my husband's gonna be home soon. He didn't even know she was married." And then she had nerve enough to complain that he didn't engage in foreplay. Now he was trying to hump and dump. And see, some of you ladies think you're slick. Because you get on these podcasts complaining about, oh, well, he came too soon. He just got in there and just went to work and left. Some of you are in relationships and you know damn well you guys are on a limited schedule and you guys can get caught at any time. So you're expecting this long, drawn-out session with this person. And both of you looking around, trying to make sure the door's not, key's not coming in the door or nothing. Now here's what I would tell you, fellas. If you ever with a woman, both of you are cheating or she's cheating on a man and you're at her place and she tells you, oh, he's out of town. Then all of a sudden you hear the key in the door downstairs. Don't forget you trusted her. She was cheating on him in the first place. What made you think that she was going to be honest with you? She didn't give a fuck because she was getting her oats sewn. That was all that mattered. I will tell you this time and time again. When a person cheats on you, whether man, female, transgender, whatever, they're cheating on you for their own benefit. Even if you broke them, broke their heart and cheated on them and they decide to cheat on you, they're still doing it for their own benefit. For their emotional benefit. I'm going to hurt my partner by hurting myself. And then my partner is going to feel the pain and feel my hurt. Nope. You're just going to go out there and give yourself away to someone. That's all that's going to happen. Kevin writes the following. What do you think about a girl giving you oral if she has braces on? I'm thinking about doing this, but it seems like she should have had braces when she was 16. She's 22 now. Do you think that's going to hurt? We can't have vaginal sex yet. She doesn't believe in that until we're engaged. We'd love to know your opinion about this. 
Put it to you this way, fella. You need a three-hole girl then. That's what you'll need to do. You can put your dick in that damn Cuisinart if you want to. <laughs> your dick will come back with a whole bunch of meat looking like it was in a blender. Here's what a lot of women do. If they're going to keep their virginity, they use the other two holes, the mouth and the butt. Let's be honest. Women have been using that for God knows how long. Some women even do anal when they're on their period. It depends. It depends on the woman. And what's satisfactory to her. Because after all, fellas, we know when it comes down to being with a woman intimately, she's usually leading the way. And that's okay. But she'll tell you what she likes. And see, a lot of you guys have written in because you're startled by some of the things that these women want in the bedroom. And it counters some of the things you had to go through with her being so respectful and being so attentive. And now she's asking you to do certain things. It's like, whoa, this is coming from you? But see, here's the thing. A lot of women won't do certain things in the bedroom with you unless she's got a concrete commitment from you. That's the reason why some women would like to have that concrete commitment so that they could be their natural selves with you in the bed and they won't get laughed at. Women, fellas, you know you're wrong when you start laughing at these women when they start doing shit in the bed and it, it really is not becoming of them. You know, like when they try to talk dirty and they fuck it up. Oh, put that big sausage meat in me, baby. you get that kind of dialogue from oh give me that cheese what's she telling me some cheese that's the reason why I always recommend that when you're having sex with somebody y'all just shut the fuck up and enjoy the moment you know you can talk to each other communicate whether you like it or something like that don't try to get dirty with it cause a lot of times y'all gonna say something fucked up it's going to slip out. Call the woman the wrong name. Try to slide shit in there like, damn, I wish your girl Sharon was here. We could... What, 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 hold on, stop. What does Sharon have to do with us? Let's see, you done fucked up. Because you done let it go too far. Ladies, quit getting tattoos of men's name on you. You have to sleeping with a woman and she got fuck me John in the middle of it. Your name is Ralph. Then she'll go and put a piece of tape over it like it's going. Mm. I'm just telling you. Now most men don't care. 
They don't want to see the dude's name. They turn you over doggy style and they hit it from behind. Now, another thing too. Some of you ladies that are now in your 50s, mid to late 40s, and you got that tramp stamp when it was really popular with those low-rise jeans back in 2003. Some of you had wrinkles back then, back there. There's nothing more fucked up than a tattoo that you literally have to take your skin and stretch it in order to see what the tattoo is. Can't even see the whole eagle's head. You just see half, you see the motherfucker's beak. And you just see two wings and a butt crack. Oh, I remember those days. They walk around with the low rise jeans, made sure they didn't wear any panties. So when they stooped down, you'd be in Target or somewhere. like okay y'all know how many people I've had to write up for that they come to work mm-hmm. and send them home women mainly the guys knew if they didn't wear a belt and they came in I say alright you want to walk around like that get your ass a long ass shirt Then they got in trouble because many of the clients didn't want them with their shirts out. They had to tell them, go get a belt. I'll get suspenders instead. Whatever it takes. Nobody wants to see that shit. I don't know if you saw that YouTube video. Uh, They took it down off Facebook. I had it up there at one point. Well, the lady was in line at Wells Fargo Bank and she owned some low-rise jeans. And she was digging in her butt while she was in line. Good-looking lady. Nails and everything. And then she sniffed. And the lady behind her was disgusted. I couldn't blame her. I would have been too. Sometimes people are used to doing things at home in public. Slurping spaghetti. Picking up meatballs, eating them like they're a damn cornball or something. Ridiculous. You gotta remember home training. But remember, that was only in your home. Somebody else's home may have been different with their training. Some may not have gotten it at all. Tacky shit like taking the condiments tray at the restaurant and dumping them in your purse. Talking about it's free. People stealing salt shakers and damn pepper shakers from the restaurants. Unethical shit. Fellas, if you ever get on a date, or ladies, if you ever see a man on a date and he does some shit like that, leave. Just leave. 
Don't don't even give an answer. Just leave. If your partner does that and you're on a date, just leave. Just leave. Don't even try to correct them. They should know better. Just leave. Let society deal with them. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you know, I have, I will never run across anyone like that. Bullshit. You don't know who you're going to run across. People don't wear a label or a sign that says, oh, by the way, I'm unethical. Oh, by the way, I'm this. Oh, by the way, I'm that. You make the assumption that people won't do something. And that's where you fuck up. As long as you're human and have a brain and breath in your lungs, you don't know what another person is capable of doing and what they will or won't do. You don't. We try to give ourselves that false sense of security. We can only control ourselves and know what we would do and what we wouldn't do. That's all, that's the sphere of influence that we have. Now you have a choice of giving that sphere of influence to someone else to control you. Or you could try to advance that sphere of influence on someone else where you're trying to control them. But for the most part, you can only leave yourself with the delusions and the hope that a person won't do anything. Now, if they're within the norms, you're satisfied. Especially if you've been in a situation where you've had it consecutively, where you had people that were respectful and that fell within the guidelines of normalcy for you. But don't think that is the norm, my dear. You've been fortunate. It may have set a precedent as far as being the normal norm for you. That doesn't mean it's the norm for everybody else. So you go on a date and the guy is rude. First time you've ever experienced it. And you're mortified. You've never seen something like that before. And it blows you away. That's because of the infrequency of you experiencing that. The shock of you experiencing that. I want to ask some of these people that fly a lot and then all of a sudden they run into an emergency situation for the first time. They're used to normalcy. They're used to taking off and landing. They're not used to having a crisis. And true enough, it may be a one-off, but here's the thing. Many times a one-off in any situation is enough to put you in a different state of mind. This is not to promote fear. This is to promote awareness. It's good to be confident, but never overconfident. When that happens, a lot of people lose their shit when something that they didn't expect happened. What I'm telling you is this. If somebody's disrespectful on a date, Fuck trying to correct them and bring them back to your standards and your norms. That's the way that animal is. Leave that animal in its own habitat, in their world. As I told you before, 
I don't give a damn how fine, how handsome, how rich, how famous. If somebody's a jackass and they're falling out of the parameters of your standards, but yet you're going to make excuses and then try to correct them, you're a damn fool. So what do you think? You think you're heightening your status by lowering your standards? Uh-uh. Stupidest concept ever. You want to keep your standards. You want to keep your boundaries. Those things are yours. You've established them for a reason, to protect you. Sometimes we get with someone and we're like, fuck it, you can have everything. You can treat me like shit, you can do whatever you want. There are no consequences for this. I'll put the consequences on the next person that tries to talk to me or that tries to take me out and try to date me. It's how a lot of you guys get stuck with these superficial standards based on a bad experience someone has had in the past, an anomaly. Now, the good thing is, the majority of the time, when you run into a dating anomaly, it's usually a one-off. Hopefully. But some of you, you have certain characteristics in your behavior that actually draw people to you some of the very people you don't want. And you're trying to figure out why, but you don't want to change who you are because you think they should change. And that's why you fuck up. You actually have to change to protect yourself. Yeah, well, I co-signed for his car and he dogged me out and he, he really was an asshole. Well, that's subjective to the person that's listening. That person could say, well, you know, I empathize with you and it won't happen with me, et cetera, et cetera. And he could be legit about it. The other guy could say, well, you know what? This is a great opportunity. You told me you're a fool. I'm going to test your metal and see how much of a fool you are. That's the way that could go. And then you have the other guy to say, oh, I ain't going to be bothered with this shit. And then you start realizing that the manipulators, those guys that really get under your skin in a good way, but you're being used by them all the time. You're being hurt by them all the time. And those are the kind of guys you wind up going to. And sometimes it's learned behavior from your youth. I have known women that when they started out young in life, in high school, they had abusive boyfriends. And even after they broke up, they wound up getting abusive husbands. Then it got to a point that they thought that a real man was a man that made all the decisions, told her what to do, and would whoop her ass if she didn't do anything that he wanted her to do. 
She thought that was normal. People base normalcy on their experience. And that's what you have to understand. That's the reason why what may be normal for somebody to go up and do something like walk in a, a bank and dig in their booty and then sniff it in public. That's a norm for her. Which means that the guys that she would probably be with would not be grossed out by it. Sniffing the essence of a butt crack. Water sinks to its own level. I remember in high school, I went out with this girl and she was wearing sandals and went to an ice cream party, went to 31 Flavor, Baskin Robbins. After we finished eating ice cream, it didn't dawn on me until I actually looked up at her because I thought she was just looking down at her feet. This girl was actually biting off one of her toenails. Now, I couldn't complain because she didn't have any underwear on underneath that dress. So I got a good look at Sherwood Forest. But, it was kind of messed up. When I told her about it, she said, yeah, well, you know, I, I get nervous sometimes. And I'm nervous about what? That's something she had done as a child. And she was a teenager. And it's hard to break old habits. It's very difficult to break old habits sometimes. And then as you get older, these things become more entrenched. Then when you form a philosophy and a belief around it, then there are no exceptions. You become very rigid in your thinking. And when that happens, you start dismissing people left and right, good along with the bad. Because then your window for compromise, it shrinks. If you don't grow. Don't fuck around and wind up being a cat lady in a trailer park fucking a cucumber every night. Just saying. You're by yourself. Your best friend will be an animal. They can't communicate with you. And then you go into anthropomorphism and treat that animal as a human being. I was on a dating site the other night. The woman had as a profile picture all of the pictures of her dogs. One day she gets any swipe rights. 
by bliss. Seeing women put their children's picture up on their dating profile. Not them. Because they won't let you know what comes first. And fellas, as I told you before, just a word to the wise to help you out. Don't respond to those people. Don't even make a comment. Just swipe left. They'll get the message sooner or later. Now, a lot of you BBWs, you larger ladies, let me tell you something. Don't feel down on yourself because you're a little bit larger. There are, there are men out there that would like to be with you. But here's the thing, and I'm just going to tell you the truth. A lot of men would like to be with you intimately, intimately, but not with you publicly. And the reason being, they would have to answer up to all the shit that they said derogatorily about you. The reason why I say this is in particular is because of the fact that with some minorities, the same thing is done. With somebody that has an age gap, the same thing is done. They don't mind being with you privately, just they just don't want to be seen with you publicly. Roberta writes the following. Just curious, what would be one of your fantasies with a woman? I've listened to your show now for a year. Just curious. One of my fantasies? Fuck a judge naked in her robe. That's been a fantasy. Fuck a female judge in her robe naked. Get equal justice. First of all, it's hard to find a single judge anywhere. Female judge. Now you know, my dear. Kathy writes the following, and she's out of Yellow Springs, Ohio. I live in a rural area, and there's a couple of things that I want to know first. Is it that if I were to go and date a guy, for instance, in Cleveland, or Cincinnati. Do you think it would be a difficult transition for him to come to Yellow Springs as opposed to me going to the big city? I grew up in New York and I wanted to go and have a place so I could have peace of mind. I love my community, but I don't want to date anyone in it. Too many people know each other here. Am I wrong for thinking this way? No, you're not. But here's the thing you have to understand. If you're going to be with a man and going to pretty much relocate him to where you are, what's he going to do for a living? The next thing you have to look at is how are you going to treat him? 
Is it going to be a situation where you move him there and then all of a sudden you throw it in the space that you're living off of me now, blah, 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 blah. Check yourself to make sure this is not a power move where you're just trying to get control of somebody. Number two, you're going to have to vet him like you've never vetted someone before. The reason being distance and you don't know him that well. Now, I'm not going to judge you. From my experience only, what I found is that women that don't want to date men in their own communities or areas, they either fucked everybody or everybody wants to fuck them. Meaning that they don't see any guy that measures up or she's tested the waters with all these guys and now her popularity is kind of waned. Just take your time with it. Get to know the person. It's going to take longer. It's going to be more resource intensive. And here's the other thing I'm going to tell you. You better have a plan. Because, and I mean within six months. Because people are not going to be commuting to see you. They're going to want a plan to be made. Usually women give up on long distance relationships before men. The average long-distance relationship lasts about six months. And believe it or not, some people consider a long-distance relationship, even if you live in the same town, but you have a distance of maybe 15 to 20 miles from each other. Oh, you live way over there. And they'll tell you, even here in Vegas, if you live in Henderson and you find someone in North Las Vegas, there are people that won't date you because of that. Southern California. You live in Orange County and you meet somebody out in uh, the Inland Empire. That might not last too long, but they're going to be tired of commuting. They're trying to see where it's going. So what you wind up with a lot of times or opportunities as opposed to relationships. Chance meetings and rendezvous. Now, there are some people out there, they, can, they cannot control their impulses. So they might meet someone during a conference or doing a trip in Vegas or something like that. And they may just want to be with that person at that moment. And so they go, they hook up, they do their thing. And then after that, they're over it. Call it a hookup, booty call, whatever you want to call it. But there are some people that are like that. I remember going to conferences. People you would never think about being together We'll wind up hooking up. Whoa, they live. Huh. Or you just sit there and scratch your head. Now, 
The other thing that you have to realize too, when you're dealing with someone that you're involved in in some kind of way when it comes to a relationship, you guys are going to have heart to hearts. If you can sustain your relationship, heart to hearts mean that you're going to have some honest dialogue between the two of you. Certain issues, certain things you like about each other, certain things you don't. Compromises you'll have to make. All of these things will have to, at some point, be dealt with. If you're going to be in a relationship. Now, if you want to kick the can down the road and say, you know what, we're not even going to talk about it. What you're going to find is that your relationship is going to be more fragmented and based on events that actually bind you. Maybe going out together, going to dinner, having sex, going on a trip, but yet avoiding the elephant in the room. Your relationship will become very superficial. And that unresolved problem that you both are trying to avoid, it's going to manifest itself in a conversation with someone else. It could be someone that maybe they're interested in romantically, or it could be a family member or friend where they're just venting. And once that happens, it's like contagion. It spreads. The worst thing in the world, and I've seen this happen plenty of times before. A person's upset with their partner, they vent to someone, and then before you know it, and get back to that partner before the person's aware of the person they shared it with had shared it with your partner. It happens. You know, one thing the mafia used to always say, the only perfect crime is the crime that you commit by yourself and no one else is a witness and knows. That's the way it is when it comes down to disclosure about your feelings, about your partner. Unless it's the person that needs to know what you're trying to say to them or a therapist that's trying to be the mediator to help you, everybody else you tell, you run the risk of it leaking. No matter how close they are to you, no matter how much they love you, I'll never forget a lady that I knew of. She was telling me that her boyfriend had hit her. And boy, we were all fired up. Because she just didn't tell me. She told a couple other guys as well. We wanted to whoop his ass. And I thought about it. I said, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Is she trying to get us to do her dirty work? And so I asked her, why don't you call the police I'm not going to call the cops and get him busted so you just want us to rough him up so what happens if we get locked up for roughing him up well you know you men can do what you men do I said well wait a minute uh uh-uh. uh it ain't going to be like that she told her mom. And she thought she had a confidential with mom. Mom told her dad. Dad went over. 
whooped the boy's ass, he got in trouble, got locked up for assault. Men, understand that your freedom is the most important thing to you. That's the first thing in the five things I tell you you need to protect. Your freedom, your wealth, your mobility, your decision-making skills, and your reputation. Those are the five things, and it's all predicated off of your freedom. You lose that, you ain't shit to yourself or nobody else. I'm just telling you. You got to watch these people that may try to get you in the situations. She was willing to have us go beat him up, which I wasn't going to try to fight the dude anyway. But she was not willing to have him locked up. She was not willing to have him accountable in that way. She wanted the terms of the way she wanted to handle it, the way she wanted to get even with them, which would have jeopardized our freedom. And jeopardize our future. What happened if you got a, a felony on your record? We were young then. We were in our early teens. No, mid-teens at the time. And what would have happened? We've been going into adulthood with that over our heads. Unwarranted, fighting somebody else's battles. That's the reason why I learned my lesson years ago when I tried to break that couple up there. I told you about when they lived upstairs over me. And the guy kicked the woman down the stairs, shoulder blade hanging out of skin. And I'm stepping in between because the man was coming down the stairs. Who knows what he would have done? The woman was on the ground getting up. I'm trying to be the hero. Got my cape on. Before I knew it, I got hit upside the head from behind. Don't you touch my husband. Oh, that's all I needed to know. Neighbors called the police. His ass went to jail. And he on his knees crying when he put the handcuffs. Baby, please don't let them take me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a homosexual. You know what they're going to do to me in there. And she's sitting up there crying, talking about don't take him. And she's got a black eye and her shoulder blades hanging out of her damn back from under her skin. And then from that point on, I said, from now on, I'm going to do what everybody else does. Call the police department when something like that happens and leave it the fuck up to them. They got guns and badges. They have the law on their side. I don't need to get involved physically. And then realize that those emotions were still peaked. But even though he did all that shit to her, she was willing to hit me? Fuck that. You want to press charge now? Mm-mm. She got enough problems as it is. You know, with them damn people. It's 
So fellas, be very careful. I know you want to go out there and be the man and oh, no man hits a woman and all that shit. You got to think about what you have to lose. If you have a family, a wife and kids, and you're trying to... Now I can see if it's a situation where if he was choking or trying to kill her. And it's immediate where you're trying to get that person off of. But if it's a situation where you had that break, like she did, where he was still at the top of the stairs and she was down the stairs, that's a whole different animal. She had enough time to run and get away. Could have done a lot of shit besides hitting me in the back of the head. Stay out of domestics if you can. That's the best thing I could tell you. It's not worth it. The best you could do is call the cops. You can't intervene because when people have that adrenaline going and they're passionate, you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And don't pull out your phones and just record the shit to put on YouTube. Call somebody to help that person. Just saying. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.